Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. This podcast is about all things outdoor photography, including landscapes, wildlife, macro, and more. The show features two talented photographers, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, who bring their different experiences in photography to the podcast. The show is released weekly every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today's episode, Henry and Ryan talk about some of their earliest experiences in photography, including techniques they use and images they will critique here on the show, and they offer some tips on portfolio development over the years. As always, hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to episode 33 of the All Doors Photography Podcast. Um, and today we're going back in time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are talking about our earliest days in photography. Uh, I guess we're just going to kind of go over our earliest experiences really with the camera, um, just our development of our portfolio over the years and maybe share some funny stories and lessons learned as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some real funny ones. I, I was very <laughs> dumb back then. So. <laughs> it was just funny, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? It's just kind of funny stories now, but you're like, at the time, like, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. has a journey. so <laughs> And that's half the fun of it too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So do you consider yourself a introspective person, Henry? Do you like I to like, would... look back over the years and all that? Um, I mean, I, not really. Um, the one thing I do look back on a lot for photography is just the photos themselves. Um, Cause you know, I still have photos I'm proud of from my early days, just maybe not as much, but you know, I'll, I'll look back pretty frequently. Uh, it's, it's pretty fun to look at like the old JPEGs and just see how I've improved and just also just kind of admire them uh, and kind of learn. Uh, but I wouldn't say I'm like a journal writing kind of person that like catalogs their every thought or something records in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Cause I, yeah, I'm I'm quite the opposite, honestly. Like I lately I've been doing more like journaling than ever, like especially with my, just my hikes and just the various things I see, the flora and fauna. Um and yeah, I've always I've always kind of been introspective, really, just by nature, I'd say. And just different photos I'd see, kind of like what you said. It's like they it takes me back to that certain time period um in my life, you know, how I was feeling, what was going on, you know, photography or not, um, the gear I used, the the lighting conditions, like everything. It's just kind of a weird way to think about it, but it's such, that's how you, I guess, approach it. You know, I always look back on like, I took this image today, uh, three years ago, and, you know, it just kind of brings back, floods back all those memories. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just looking at a photo and remembering your time out in the field is really powerful. Like I can look at photos from two years ago and remember if they're, if it's an impactful enough photo, I can remember exactly what I was doing, like you said, and just kind mm-hmm. of all the conditions of it. Mm-hmm. And usually it's it's kind of, at least for me, it's preserved for like probably the most like powerful, I guess, experiences um, when out in the field. Like not every photo is just instantly going to grant me like that memory, but like, the, yeah. yeah, the most like, not even the best photos, but just the ones with the best, I think, narrative to it or just mm-hmm. memories from it, you know, that always sticks with you, I think, in the photo itself. Yeah. And you, you could really look at your different phases too of your photography as you like start to discover your style and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but I really didn't start. I kind of started photography by accident. I've, I've talked about how I got <laughs> into it before, so I'm not going to like get too deep into it. But I really wasn't trying to do photography. I just kind of 
grew into it. And especially nature photography. Like I didn't even like think about it. I just kind of started doing it. That was kind of the genre that stuck out to me the most. So I just mm-hmm. kind of fell naturally into it and kind of evolved um, yeah. over the years. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, kind of same here, really. It's just you kind of found it by accident, I guess. You know, you just kind of start like for me, yeah, me, I was just kind of going on like little nature walks. It wasn't like big hikes necessarily, but, you know, I'd spend, you know, an afternoon, the evening just to kill some time. And I bring the camera along and just see what I could capture with it, you know? Yeah. That's I mean, the fun yeah, of it, really. It really, yeah. At first, it was just kind of that thing you brought with you. And then it kind of becomes kind of the main purpose of everything. So, yeah. Um, I guess if you want to just dive right into it, I mean, like, I remember one of my earliest, uh, I think almost 10 years ago now, I just got my DSLR. Um, I think I explained on the show uh, one episode a while ago, but I got my first DSLR. Um, and uh, yeah, I just got it for Christmas. Um, it was a nice gift and everything. And I think it was New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Very, very cold and windy day. It's very cloudy and just kind of blank, you know, boring gray sky. Um, and this was before I had, long before I had a car, many years before. And I was just so excited to get out with the camera. I don't know. I just had this stirring emotion of just like I want to just get out and photograph whatever I see. So I went to like this local nature reserve um, that I still go to all the time now. Um, and yeah, I, I biked all the way down there just by myself and just just had a ball with it, you know, just photographing on auto mode <laughs> of all that and just just. <laughs> Pretty much just like just a running gun, honestly. I was just so excited. I just point the camera, just and like I said, full auto mode, and just point at something and just take the picture. And um, I don't have any of the like the images now. I think that I didn't even shoot raw at the time, um, but you know, I, I can almost picture it still like the memories I felt with that, you know, associated with it. Yeah, I mean, definitely that first outing with your camera is definitely very important. Um, I remember mine was just it wasn't an outing but i literally took a ikea plants like a fake plant in my room i i posed it on this windowsill and like got like a side angle with a leading line and that was literally the first shot i took um and then i made it blue instead of green that was kind of my creative spin to it um but that is my that's my first really photography outing i wasn't an outing but it was kind of my first foray so i just remember that like your first exposure, all yes. puns intended. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, was that? Did you take that with like your first DSLR you ever owned? Uh, it was a it was a mirrorless, but yeah, it was my first little beginner mirrorless camera. Okay, I see. I've actually I've never really shot. I've shot a little bit on a DSLR, but I've never owned a DSLR. So that's true. Yeah, uh-huh. I guess it's your generation now. They're like, yeah. what's it? What's a DSLR? Like a Canon? Uh-huh. What's that? You know? <laughs> yeah. That makes total sense. I guess, yeah, with my story, it's like that was the first DSLR I ever owned. Um, but like a couple of years prior, I used one in high school, an icon at that. Um, and yeah, this is the first uh, time I actually boo. had one. Well, no, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's all they had at the high school. I'm kidding, at, so. I'm kidding. No, I know. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I mean, that's all they had. I think at the time I even said like, I want a Canon. I don't want a Canon. But I'm glad to have one at all. Um, but anyways, yeah, that was the first camera I ever had on that first outing. Um, owned, I said, and like, so it just felt so neat to finally have one of these expensive, almost like toy pieces of gear, just, you know, see what it's really capable of, you know, it's experiment with all the dials and settings and just see how it works. And um, yeah, the images were terrible, of course, like you said, Henry, it's like to- terribly overexposed or underexposed. I didn't think I really knew what a histogram was at that point. Didn't know how to focus, and, you know, just all that stuff. <laughs> well, I, I had autofocus, save the day, but 
like I said, auto mode. So I mean, like it's not going to be the most correct lighting situations, mm-hmm. you know. But like it was a cloud, like I said, cloudy, diffuse light day, like even sky. So it was pretty easy exposed for. But yeah, I mean, one thing with auto mode that I when I used to shoot on auto way back in the day, it doesn't think about you not being able to hold long shutter speeds. So like <laughs> yes. it'll crank it all the way down and you just can't hold that kind of shutter speed so people get really confused i think that's one of the major problems like i know in the menus mm-hmm. you could set a limit on what shutter speed is like good like safe for you to hand hold but no beginner's gonna do that so like no, no it's always a big problem and honestly i don't think they should i think i feel like everyone needs to start with that full auto and just see the trial and error of it like if you because no one can start on manual and just know what they're doing that takes honestly that takes i would say months or years honestly that really gets that point but i mean you're, you're definitely right where it's like the camera thinks it's doing something right with exposing um especially if it does have like a built-in uh, light meter but you know it's not always going to be right of course yeah i mean nowhere close to always being right <laughs> in my Wait. experience no yeah. every once in a while i'll put it back on auto if i'm just like really really feeling lazy or like it's like a documentation shot like i don't care about how pretty it looks I'm like, oh, a cool bird just flew by or a flyover. I don't know. And I'm just like full auto, you know, take it. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's like that, that shutter speed. It doesn't really take that into account. You know? And I know AV mode as well does that too because it's focused primarily on the F-stop and your aperture. And so it's typically going to slow down that shutter pretty drastically, I'd say. And if you're shooting handheld, that's going to be a big problem, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you really just have to be kind of a genius to like know <laughs> like if like your auto mode will give you the right exposure like you you can't just be like i mean you're gonna fail like you're not gonna get all your shots in focus in auto mode you're not gonna get all your shots sharp in auto mode like it's it, it's definitely interesting mm-hmm. and like i noticed it's it usually probably for most people i say this experience but like it usually chooses the uh the widest aperture as well for auto mode so, I mean, it's always going to be like f5.6 or something. And so if you want like everything in the scene, like if you shoot a wide angle or maybe like a kit lens and you want to get everything in the scene in focus, it's not going to work. You know, it's simply going to just blur out the you know, the edges where it'd be like a vignette almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big, like people just don't understand aperture in the beginning too. Mm-hmm. And like what I struggled with in the beginning was like shooting close in on a plant at like, f2.8 or something is not the same as shooting a wide scene at f2.8 like it's not the same look like i could not wrap my head around that in the beginning (laughs) if i use the same lens does it you know create the same results Eh, no not really subject makes a difference too yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that's actually you you raise a good point there because yeah it's definitely like you can like experiment with the camera settings, like we're saying, it's like if you put put it on a tripod and you point the same lens at the same subject, but you adjust the aperture all the way, it's going to create a drastically different effect on the image and the final result. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but that's stuff you learn in trial and error. I guess tripods is one thing that I had a problem with, you know, early on as well. But a lot did of people you, do. Did you use not use tripods or too much tripod? Or? Yeah, like with that first outing, like I said, I think. That was like a camera bundle for I think about five hundred dollars on P and H, and you know I cleared the basics like you get like those like uh, slung over bags, camera bags. It's like a really small one um, that could fit like a lens and a DSLR. Um, and I had that the kit lens, 
like 18 to 55 or whatever they use um, zoom lens. And then I had a couple of memory cards that I think there's like a crappy set of like Vivitar filters that were just terrible. Oh no, not the Vivitars. Yeah. I'm talking like the cheap, like yeah. $10 three pack, you know, includes the basics. I had those too. Yeah. Everyone did. Interesting. <laughs> and then uh, the, the sun pack tripod. Oh my, that tripod. Is oh like, my goodness. That was honestly, that wasn't even worth money. Like, but I think it's like $10 separately. And that thing is worth about $10. It lasted, I think, three, four months, and then like parts on it broke and snapped. And I'm just like, this is this sucks. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of those cheap. Like I feel like a lot of people start with those really cheap, like aluminum or even plastic, um, like pan swivel tilt tripods. Got the center column that's connected and everything. But ugh, they're terrible. They're terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so for that first outing, I think I even left the tripod at home, too. I was just like, I don't need this. Ah, uh, Ryan, why? I don't need that crap. So I just, like, took it, shot handheld. Like Tripods said, are for video only. <laughs> you know, I probably thought that because I saw the tripod head and was like, what's the point? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, just had it slung over my shoulder with, the like, the the name brand Canon neck strap. Ugh, the days like that, man. I think I wore sweatpants in like gym shoes. <laughs> was, like, yeah, I still I still wear sweatpants in the field sometimes. I mean, they they work for hiking, at least if you tuck them in and make sure you know you don't get ticks. I mean, oh, sure. I find they're great, really. Yeah, I know people that do the sweatpants thing still, and I'm like, I, I just you know whatever you want to do. Yeah, I wear. I know I'm just like really nerdy about. It. I wear like multi pocketed you know hiking pants that can convert the shorts if I need to. Uh, yeah, I mean I wear those a lot too as well. Yeah. It's probably my daily driver if I go out every day, but you know, sweatpants when I'm washing them. Right. It's for the casual walks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes I wear shorts, but you know, it just depends. But clothing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, but yeah, I mean, the early days was fun. Um, I know in high school, I took, um, I took a few, I took two semesters of it. Film was the first semester. And, I remember like I had this roll of film because we had to do like, I think it was like an action series or movement kind of like a themed assignment or whatever. And I went to like the local uh, regional airport. So it's like, like just small airport, of course, just little like Cessna planes and stuff, single propeller engines. And uh, I just got like on the edge of the, the airstrip one evening with my mom because she drove me there, of course. And I'm like, just point this little film camera and just every time they would take off every couple minutes, try to you know get a couple of them and just get like a roll or two of film or actually, yeah, just a roll. Um, and I went back like that next week at school, tried to develop the film. It was the entire strip was white, just plain white. Like it never happened. Oh, and so I like looked at my teacher, I'm like, uh, Miss Donaldson, uh, nothing came out. Like, and she looked at it and she's like, Oh my gosh. It's like, I don't think it was put in right. See how it's like just barely falling out of it. I'm like, Oh geez. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I've had but, that happen to me on digital before. So, Oh, I get the no memory card found uh-huh. thing. Oh, geez. I, yeah. You can set, I, I believe most cameras nowadays can set that. So it like prevents you from using the shutter. Yeah. Like it locks up. Yeah. Because I have mine set to do that, but I don't think I ever take mine out really. Yeah. I don't think so. You never take your memory card out? Oh, no. No, I plug it. I plug it in straight into the, the computer. Oh, yeah. Cool. Like, yeah. like via like the hot cable port. Yeah. I just I switch between two every once in a while just just because I don't know. The two memory cards. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I have like three or four of like copy, like the same exact model, but like, I think once for commercial work and once for like my, just my like nature photo, like my oh, work, I guess. That's a good idea. Yeah. That way. Yeah. Yeah. I just spread the love, separate them. <laughs> but, uh, that way the uh, stuff I'm getting paid for isn't like, you know, corrupted or something yeah. versus what I just like enjoy doing myself. So, um, um do you, yeah. Like from your, if you were, this is a question I just kind of thought of, would you prefer, like, say you are doing a week of photography, would you prefer going back to that kind of carefree state where you don't really care about the photos and you're just kind of shooting with a beginner camera or would you rather just be where you are now? Uh, like, which it sounds, kind of, I don't know. Like, you see what I mean? Like, what you're saying? What like, kind of what, stage of photography would you like to go back to? I guess, like, uh, no, no, I get what you're saying. It's a good question, actually. Um, gosh, you put me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> what's funny you say that because I'm looking at over on my desk or across the room on the table, I have actually my first DSLR just sitting there. Um, and it's since fallen water, of course. I've told that story many times. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, I can't use it, but like, I still have it for now, and I mean. I mean, I don't like if we're just talking just the gear for a moment, like I'd still use a camera because it's still a good camera. It's not, it's not perfect, but like there's memories attached to it, you know, and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. I mean, like I always find myself, I guess, kind of going back to that same feeling that you're kind of describing that same, like, like essence, I guess, of the early days or just like the, yeah, like the carefree joy, like you said, and all that. Um, I always find myself going back to that and especially when I get so hung up on getting the photo and stuff. Cause nowadays I'm just like, really like I'm going out and driving, I'm chasing this bird or I'm going to, I have to go to this park right now to see this flower. And I got like a few days of window of time to do it or else, you know, that sort of thing. Or maybe like the lighting sucks for a few days in a row. And I'm just like, this is the only day off I have this week. And this is, I have to make it work. Yeah. Like you just get so pressured on yourself, I guess. So, um, but like back then it's just like, I would just take long exposures of a creek, you know, midday light. And I didn't care. You know, I didn't know any better, honestly. Like, yeah, I just you're thought it was probably, fun. you're probably pretty happy with the photos too. At the time. Yeah. You better standards back then. Yeah. No, it like, we could even, we could do a whole episode. I mean, we have done, but like a whole episode of composition of just like the earliest shots and how maybe good they were some of them, but like how absolutely terrible some others were um, just simply because, you know, you just, standing straight up tall maybe at your tripod you know just at that same height and you're looking straight ahead or something like no interesting kind of angle or perspective and you're just there like just a boring static look to it and whatever your point your camera at um but back to what you're saying your question um i'm always kind of yeah i guess in a way i'm always chasing that kind of i don't know early glory days i guess of it you know just chasing that feeling because i feel like it's like when you get to a point where especially if you want to get professional and career and all that stuff gets involved, if it does for you, it's like kind of, you can't lose sight of it, but like, I'm always like trying to keep that beginner mindset. Like I always want to keep that feeling of eagerness. Like, Oh, there's another Robin just sitting on that branch. I've seen that bird two million times already. I don't want to like lose that. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want to always be excited. Like, Oh, that's a Robin. But like, I may have 20,000 shots of it you know, in my portfolio, but like, I still want to take a shot because it might be something different. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, you know, 
tuning your curiosity, trying to get back to that older mindset of just photo, not photographing everything, but just kind of finding beauty in everything. I yeah. Guess. I guess, I guess now that I'm like, I, I, I describe myself as like five years in by now, five years of like really pursuing it um, more and more, but like, I find myself lately, it's like, especially with spring, you get, you know, a lot of flowers and birds, um, especially in waterfalls, of course. Um, I'm finding myself kind of like going, like I'm retreading these familiar locations I've been to. I'm like, oh, I took some pictures of that flower. So I just kind of skip it. But like, you know, sometimes it's almost detrimental. Like you kind of miss out on other opportunities you may, you know, otherwise not seen early on. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like it's... Mm-hmm there's pros and cons to each stage i think for sure Um, yeah like it's good to have that kind of like i guess mental checklist or if you have written it down like oh i took some pictures of this flower i'm good on that subject for now but like this bird this i don't know a warbler or neotropical migrant like i don't have any of that and like i need to focus on that like that's good but like yeah i I never want to like just pass up like a like like i said a robin if it's just sitting on the ground next to me and it's like, why would I pass it up? You know, it could be a good photo right there. Uh-huh. Well, you're you're a yeah. lot better than me in that respect because I've only been birding for like nine months. And I I already skipped robins. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'd say like my most photographed species are song sparrows and canna geese. Like I I have so many of each one. All seasons, you know, focal length. Yeah, whatever backdrop. As long as you you capture different behaviors and stuff, you know, there's nothing wrong with shooting. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the way I look at it. It's like I want to make each shot different, bring something new to the mm-hmm. table, big or small, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the the stage I was kind of thinking about for my photography was kind of, I don't know. It was like probably like a year and a half ago. Um, I was that was when I would say I really started getting into nature photography, like seriously, seriously, like weekly outings at least like um and back then i had much lighter equipment and i just carried less with me in general and you know my quality was a lot worse uh you know not always the greatest but i was kind of a little bit more free back then like i just kind of just experimented with weird shots and um i prefer what i do now of course but like back then it was kind of like a different sense of freedom i guess what do you what do you mean by like experimenting with weird shots like what what was like weird to you in your eyes i I would just like shoot the weirdest subjects like i would just photograph weird trees and stuff and just (laughs) it was almost like i didn't know as much about photography so i just kind of was kind of my own intuition i guess well you you photograph what you like to see something about that tree like stuck out to you and that's why you took the picture right and of course, I still do that, but like it, it was different back then. Like, I'm not saying it's better, but it's just kind of there's more focus. Yeah, you took that picture of that weird tree because it's it was weird, but something about it attracted you to it. And now you kind of like you may um, you know, as you up here, like go ahead and chime in if I, you disagree or whatever. But I'm assuming it's like if you took that same picture of that weird tree now, you'd be like. You're dealing with a better, much more, how do I say, like mature, I guess, like eye for it. Like you're going to like technical and artistically, like, so you're going to choose that. You're going to take that shot of that tree and you're going to make it better, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. Like I would see that tree and be like, 
or even not even take a shot and be like, oh, that tree has like a white blown out sky above it. Why would I even consider taking that shot? You know, something like that. Like I, I look at a shot now and say, is it going to be a decent shot? Like another example is like a bird shot. If I see a bird and it's backlit by a white sky, I usually won't take it unless I'm going for like a, a vignette or something. Cause I just know that's not going to be a good shot. Um, yeah. But you know, it just, it's, it changes a lot. And I think, you know, sometimes that can be good. You know, you're focusing on shots that have a chance of being good versus not the best conditions. Um, but sometimes it may also not be as good. So. <laughs> Actually, you got me thinking about another question here is um, that kind of, I guess, goes off the last one is that do you find yourself maybe like, like, do you ever pull away from a shot nowadays versus when you started out? Like back then, were you just photographing anything, you know, kind of through caution the wind, like as in any photo is good photo, but like nowadays, are you more choosy, I guess, with your compositions? Do you ever, do you find yourself like going like the light's not good? It's not going to work. So you just kind of pull out from it. I mean, especially with light, like I used to be. So and this was probably just a couple months ago, really. I used to be so lazy with getting up in the morning. <laughs> I think I talked about this one. <laughs> Nowadays, I get up all the time early. Like I get up at six and I know now like I was dumb. It's, it's even if it's a cloudy day, like I should still get up early. And I've since I've done that, I've gotten to shoot foggy mornings, countless foggy mornings, uh, you know, great soft light bird shots um, and just. I've really kind of figured out lighting a lot more. Um, and during the day, you know, on those beautiful blue sky days, now I don't have to focus on photography. I can just take a hike or a walk or something in nature. Um, and I just kind of know with that. I've always said, yeah, it's like sunrise and early, early, early morning. It's like, it's kind of like a rite of passage where it's, it's like a special time of day that very few people really seem to like wake up for and appreciate. And uh, yeah, like you said, like the lighting conditions, um, just the the birds are much more, you know, singing along and everything. It's like there's a lot like happening, I guess, early morning that you wouldn't see otherwise. And it wouldn't look quite as good, of course, at midday. Yeah, definitely. You you just really have to know that to get pretty to get good photos, I think. Mm-hmm. But that comes with time too. Photos, at least. Yeah, consistently too. Yeah. It's just that, that's a problem though, is like you kinda of have to learn it over time. Um, cause you, you do the midday thing and a lot of people that go out shooting with, they, they probably think I'm like vehemently opposed to like midday light. Like if I'm out there with the camera, I'm like, I'm like, it's not worth taking any shot, but it's like, I'll do it, but I just might not like it as much. So that's when I will pull away from, you know, taking a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you but mentioned I mean, with the Robin, like there's some bird species that I just won't shoot anymore. Doves and Robins are the two main ones for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Only if it's probably like the opportunity is different, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, unless there's photo. like some really amazing lighting, like a spotlight, like a targeted light on the bird or something where you can <laughs> isolate the background or something. I usually won't shoot it. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like the other day I went out birding for like eight hours, like legit just eight hours straight oh, just because wow. it's spring migration. But um, yeah, it was a really sunny day, like just the entire morning and afternoon. Um, but I mean, I was like getting these great bird shots and like, once I kind of learned to, like, I guess in a way it kind of brought me back to the early days where I'm like, I had to struggle with these really con- high contrast scenes and make these photographs work. But now with like 
over five, 10 years of experience now with a camera in my hands. Um, it's like, I kind of learned how to kind of work with that. I guess that lighting. So I'm like, if a bird is being cooperative, um, perched on a tree beside me, um, if I just wait a few seconds, it may turn its head and it get catched uh, by the light, but not be so overexposed. Um, so yeah, just certain things like that that you kind of just learn over time to work with. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely but, know how to work with that lighting. I just kind of, I've learned to kind of prefer it. Um, I really like the lesser crowds in the early morning too. That's a big <laughs> factor for me. And when we carry this much equipment, you know, it's, it's nice just to be by yourself and less birds are scared away. And it's just, you, you can be more meditative. I think it can be a lot quieter too. I think, yeah. Like you said, less people out, um, yep. except people like us, I guess, <laughs> and a select few of others. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's like any time of day is good too. So it just depends. Yeah, definitely. I think like early on, I was just so like eager to get out that like I would just get out all times of day and I'd spend whole days out, you know, just get lost in it, you know, just hit the trail and stuff and just seeing what was out there. Cause everything, everything at that beginning stage was just new to me. Like, like I said, like we keep mentioning the Robin, like that was such a new bird to me once I learned, I, you know, at early age, like, oh, this is a Robin. And, you know, there's other birds, of course, but there's this one. And like, so it's just like, there's only new things that you just kind of just see when you're out there really spend like a considerable amount of time, like looking for them, I guess. Mm -hmm. Will you see, will you ever consider shooting a squirrel or have you moved beyond that? Oh yeah. Really? I've done it tons. Yeah. I've done, I've done backyards, um, out in the middle of nowhere. I've done it. Yeah. Everywhere. So that's, that's a subject I've done a lot too. Nice. I mean, yeah, I mean backyard wildlife is great too. That's oh, great. Yeah, that, definitely. That was what I did a lot in the beginning. A lot of backyard wildlife. Yeah, especially backyard birds. But yeah, we get we get eastern cottontail rabbits, um, eastern tree squirrels, um, sometimes fox squirrels. Um, what else? Little chipmunks, those guys are cute, but they're really fast. Um and then like nocturnal stuff, like on my trail cameras nowadays, um, I see like possums, raccoons, skunks, uh, you know, all that sorts. Up in deer. Uh, up in Michigan, we get black squirrels. It's, it's really cool. Oh, yeah. I've heard of this. Yeah, we get a few albino squirrels in our area. They're kind of cool. lesser common, but, yeah. you know, I've seen a couple of them. It's always my dog on my camera, though, of course. Yeah. I'm just like on a little walk in the neighborhood. I'm like, oh, there he is. There he goes. <laughs> that would probably be one of the pros back when you were like a beginner, because at least when I was a beginner, I would just bring my camera like on its <sighs> camera company strap and i would just always have it uh, <laughs> so that like nowadays with like all the big heavy gear and stuff you may not take it as many places so i guess back then right. it might have been kind of an upside i mean for a good couple of years when i first got that camera i'd bring it to friends' houses i mean like and just have the bag with me and like i guess we could talk about maybe like a kind of like a work-life balance i guess is that nowadays i kind of learned to um, kind of distance myself from the camera. Like I know when to put it away and just keep it at home, no matter if it's like the most beautiful day out or something, there's like a rare bird in my County or something, but like, I, I kind of learned to distance myself and just take breaks from it. Like back then I just kind of always want to be tethered to it, which is not a bad thing necessarily, but you do get burned out pretty easily. I think. Yeah. You definitely have to have that balance for sure. Um, I I've been burned out before. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's definitely not good. It's not a good feeling. Um, and maybe even just try bringing a lightweight camera setup. If you have to have your camera with you, maybe just bring something you could 
hold handheld and just snap a couple pictures and have minimal expectations or something. But <laughs> uh, I definitely like, like I feel like there's some photographers that are always on eBird and stuff, which which is fine. You know, you do you, but I I personally. Um, I glance at Ebert occasionally, but I, I like kind of just kind of the mystery of photography still. Like, <laughs> I go out and kind of see what I see, you know. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of my style. Um, even conditions wise, like I'll check to make sure it won't rain and that it won't be like the like horrible lighting. But besides that, you know, I'm just kind of there for the conditions, I guess. And I guess that's really one thing I've kind of kept. I mean, of course. I won't shoot on like a horribly sunny day sometimes, but like in the morning, I won't care if it's foggy or if it's, you know, just some nice small clouds or something. I very much care if it's foggy. Like I definitely get way early for that, but. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go out more if it's foggy. True. But yeah. So, so you said like you keep that mindset still to this day. Uh huh. Kind of the ran like. Go with the flow. Of, part of what attracts me in nature photography especially the wildlife side is the adventure of it and just the finding these random birds that you know you just would never expect to see uh that's really what excites me um in landscapes too just finding the cool subjects hmm. that's very interesting because i mean like i mean let's play devil's advocate but i mean like kind of in the early days i was like that but more so now i'm very I think thorough to a T about planning certain things. Like um, I'm a big eBird user, um, especially nowadays um, in the past two years. And I use it to plan out so many trips, you know, just that way I can kind of be prepared, you know, get a grasp of what I may see at a certain habitat or location. Um, and then even with like landscapes, I like to pre-scout locations and see different, you know, landmarks or subject matters and see them in different lighting conditions throughout the day or even seasons and just kind of prepare um, maybe for like potential shots I may have in mind. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm much more of a planner now more than ever. Like I, you know, checking the weather days in advance, seeing out if it changes at all, you know, stuff like that. I mean, if I don't do that, like I do like the spontaneity of it and I still plan trips. I plan ships. I plan the trips with like a, like a guideline, I guess, like a guideline as in like, if I'm going to this uh, place that has lots of birds and opportunities, I'm going to bring the gear, of course, for that respective opportunity, but I'm going to like go there with like a list of like, like this past uh, weekend, I it did like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to see uh, Orchard Oriole, I'm going to see Yellow Warbler, I'm going to see, um, I don't know, any, any Warblers, I'm going to see maybe like a Tanger, you know, just stuff like that. But like, I didn't, I don't know how to describe it. Like I didn't, I didn't, I went there with hoping to see them. But yeah, like you might see them in your, you know. It's more than likely, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like to go into a place knowing I'll see it, but like being free to just anything that arises. Like basically what I'm getting at is like, yeah, like this past weekend, I didn't go to this wildlife area and just paying to see a yellow breasted chat. And that's a really cool bird. I've only heard them in years past, you know, during spring and everything in summer. But like this time I got one in plain sight and I actually got some not frame fillers, but like it's in the image and it's actually in focus pretty well, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's pretty far away. Yeah, and like you're that not was a little surprise to... for me. Uh-huh. So like, if I trying to get what you're trying to say, you're like saying like, you you go to a place, you know, you could see this here, but you're not like just tracking that down. Like you won't refuse something else. No. Yeah. If you see a cool landscape, you may you you may shoot it, or if that bird shows up, you'll shoot that. You know. 
I went, I went to a, also the other day, I went to a local um, community park and it's not like, it's a really busy, like paved path kind of loop around this uh, decently sized fishing pond and everything that they stock with fish. Um, and it's busy like all times of year, but I mean, like at this point, I just walk around my big telephoto and I really don't care, you know, what people think. Most people are actually kind of fascinated. Like that's a big lens, you know, all that stuff. But, um, anyways, I went there cause actually on Ebert, I saw, um, a couple days prior that someone uh, had reported a sighting of a black crown night heron, which I know it's a bird you've seen Henry. Um, oh, but that's actually, that's a live bird for me. And I haven't seen one in person yet. Um, but it's, it's one I've always wanted to see for a long time. Um, and I went there with the intention of hopefully seeing it this one evening I went, um, and I didn't get it, but I did get a couple of other surprises that I didn't think I'd actually see at this park, um, including a green heron, which is cool. Um, yeah. just to see one, just to see one at the small little park is, was surprising to me. Usually they're like in the dense marsh or something. Aren't they, rather. aren't they weird birds? Like their proportions are just so strange to me. They're very like, you know, like a great blue heron's proportions, like they're very tall and kind of slender, their necks all straight yeah. and they're. Most of the time, yeah. The uh, the like a green heron is much more stocky, kind of like compact. I guess if that makes sense. Like they're very slouched and they're very very tiny. Like um, probably like, and their their feet are huge too in comparison to the rest of their body. Yeah, they're pretty large, um, and their necks are incredibly like in, compared to a like, great blue or like an egret or something. Like their necks are incredibly small, even when they raise them, stretch them out. Like they're still like a very very tiny bird. Um, I think they're. Don't quote me on it, but I think they're like about the size of a crow. They're they're very small. So. Very small, yeah. Which I mean, a crow is a pretty big bird by and large compared to like most songbirds, but but like compared to the herons, I mean, like it's a pretty small heron. Mm. But um, anyways, yeah, like I was saying, like I just I went to this location. I was hoping to see this one bird, didn't get it, but you know, I kept my options and you know to what I would see otherwise, and I got some surprises and great photos, you know, as a result. It's not like I packed up my bags and just kind of left. Uh, I don't see it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think there are some people that do that, but that's kind of the more like ornithol. I can't even say the word like ornithologist. Ornithologist view of things, kind of like it, it's a different kind of thing. We're kind of more the creative side, I think, and some people are just kind of the more documentarian side. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I plan some things like I'll plan shots sometimes. Um, but that's probably like once I get into the field. So like, uh, this has kind of been a recent project of mine. I've been trying to get this one shorebird. I've, that's been showing up on this one Creek, um, fairly near my house. So I've been, um, I've kind of made like a makeshift blind inside of a bush. Uh, I've been, I've been like waiting. He's a smart bird. So he like sees me very easily. <laughs> So I've been like, I've gone there twice so far, but I've, this bird, I, I cannot tell you, but I, I planned that shot. Like I have the angle set. I I know what camera settings I want to use for the shot. I just need him to go in this place. I mean, it's crazy. This little guy, like I'll walk away for a bit and then he'll, he'll come back. He'll be in that one spot where I wanted him to be I'm like, dang it. And then I'll get spooked and he won't come back for a while. He comes back and I leave. It's just, man, but. I, I do plan some things like I, especially for birds, I'll plan like the perch I want and I'll wait a little bit and then, you know, hopefully one will land. Mm-hmm. What do, what bird is it? Do you know? Uh, It's a something, I think it's a kill deer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But those pretty, uh, I bet those are pretty, they're pretty common up here. Are they pretty common down there? Uh, I think they're fairly common. I haven't seen that many. Uh, it's a family of two. Or I don't know if they're family. Okay. But 
uh, they're so smart. Like even the slightest movement I make and I, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking like I'm hiding behind like bushes and stuff and with like a camouflage lens and everything, they will see me and they know like they're, they're very smart birds. They're, yeah. They're very um, skittish, cautious in my experience too. Yeah. Like, because I think, I think that the most common, like, uh, like a member of the plover family, I think they're the most common plover in Ohio. Um, and they, they can be down in these, uh, open grass fields in like, you know, high school parking lot, or they could be open like shopping mall parking lots. Um, they're kind of just everywhere. There's a rock quarry and they're always down in like the lower gorge part of it. Um, yeah, they're just kind of everywhere, but you just have to be real patient for them. And yeah. they, cause they, they run pretty fast as you can probably tell, like along the ground and everything. If you just kind of get down low with them and just wait and be patient as long as it takes, however, um, you may just have them run up to you and they won't even know it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I laid on this, a rock baking in the sun for like an hour and a half, literally, <laughs> and they would not come near me. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get some camo soon and stuff. So hopefully that might help a bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, I, I like planning those kind of things, but I don't really plan before, I guess I'll get there and kind of plan out things a bit. Like sometimes I'll like, this sounds kind of dangerous, but I'll stash my camera bag sometimes like in a bush or something and be like, I'm going to come back here and get this shot later after I walk around a bit, you know, just that kind of planning and whatnot. Right. I mean, as long as you're close to home, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it too much either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of moving on here. Um, what are kind of the common mistakes you first made when you were doing photography? uh good question um i mean if you want me to go first i can to you though no i mean i i mean i can i can probably write off a few here i mean like yeah just like kind of stuff i mentioned already like just like over reliance on shooting handheld um not really knowing my camera settings at first which is totally fine like i don't like i said i don't expect anyone day one to just know everything and what they're doing and know the camera inside and out um, I guess I would recommend to beginners if they're listening is to, um, before you even really touch your camera or even while you're like messing around with it, turning it on, pressing buttons, like have the camera manual side by your side and just kind of read through it, you know, just trial and error and just test it out. Like you might be reading about the live view mode and um, seeing how you can adjust the dials while you're in live view mode and just kind of experiment with it that way, um, side by side. Um, other than that, I mean, just planning out like, trips like i said planning out trips i feel like like at the very least plan out the weather it's um because there's a few nature reserves along the bike path i've been at years past and like it would just pour rain like a like a flash flood kind of rainstorm just out of nowhere and you'd have to bike home in all this rain with all your camera gear and nothing's covered with you know pack cover and my clothes were just soaked and everything and you know it's just terrible um and that's because i simply didn't prepare for the day you know, I didn't expect yeah. to see rain because I didn't look for it. And I didn't even know, like, looking at the sky, I didn't even know what to look for. Like, seeing that, like, you ever see, that, like, that mist in the, really, like, the horizon in the background? And you're like, oh, that looks like rain in the distance. And it's coming fast-moving clouds this way. Stuff like that. Like, it's just, like, little, I guess, visual cues of just, like, you need to see stuff and just be aware of your surroundings. Um, I mean, other than that, like, yeah, just preparing like if it's a midsummer day and you're going for this few miles hike or you don't know how long you're going to be out but you're going to be out for hours bring some water stuff like that bring a snack 
or like a full-on meal, like an MRE in a jet boil or something. Um, that's stuff you learn, of course, over time. Um, I mean, like on the photo editing side, like over-processing photos, that was a big problem I had. Not a problem, but like I would just kind of do it for the sake of it, like over-the-top wacky effects. Um, like my photos I edited in high school were just very crazy zany little effects and I didn't care how they looked. Like not, basically I didn't want to make it look real, I guess. I just want to have fun with it, which is totally fine, like I said, but looking back, it was like kind of just goofy stuff, like just really like posterizing and just make everything look really just crazy and over the top, like I said. Did you ever do like the selective color thing where you would remove all colors except one? Yeah, that's funny. I only have I've at the time I've yet to try that until like a couple of months ago. And I did it for like a covered bridge shot. That was the first time I tried it. So I would <laughs> I would use that on every photo and the beginning. Like it was crazy. I think yeah, nothing screams more than like high school photography class than like seeing people do that. Because I remember there's a lot of people that did that. Um, and using really you were wide so apertures. Cool too. Yeah. I mean, I had to like look through my photo editor, honestly, like like I said, months ago, but pretty recent. And I had like looked through the settings and like we're like, how do I actually access this feature? Because like I said, I know it's on there, but I don't know where. Mm -hmm. So you you never like do you ever uh, like warp or not warp, but like affect individual colors, or are you just kind of a global saturation? person um i mean more recently I, I of course over the years i kind of learned better about how to do things but like when i started out no i just use global sliders um mm -hmm. i'm trying to be better about it nowadays and try out masking and like using hsl so i can adjust the saturation on just like red yellow or something like that um but like the early days no i just everything just kind of whatever i felt like goes and you know, the easier the better. So if it's a global slider, I would use it. And I, I may use it to the highest or lowest extreme. I don't oh know. Oh my. Yeah, that's <laughs> beginners out there. That's, unless you're going for some creative look, I would suggest never really doing that. Like it's, I mean, if you go all the way down on the saturation, that's just black and white. So, <laughs> um, and then if you go all the way up, it just looks like a burnt, like piece of bread or something. <laughs> I, never, I don't think I've ever taken a picture of a bread, but honestly. That sounds like a very beginner thing to do. I, I probably did that. Oh, yeah. I think I remember I... Uh, one time I copied Peter McKinnon, and I uh, I brought down this little lamp from my bedroom down to the first floor and uh, photographed a piano, and I, like, set up the light, and I, like, completely copied Peter McKinnon, like, the day before he released the piano photo and did a tutorial on how to do it. So I, I just literally copied that and just took a random picture of piano and I thought that was like the best work in the world. That's great. How, how many people did you say early on did you like copy per se? I It was really all Peter McKinnon. It's <laughs> all I him? watched. Yeah, he was, he was like the guy for me and the Northrop's too. I, I learned a lot from them. That's when I, once I discovered them, I started to like really learn camera settings. Like, Peter McKinnon's great. I think I fell more in love with his style, less than like the technical photography aspects, but like the Northrop's, I really learned a lot about photography. And like Fronos photo too. You know, kind of the the first people that will like show up in your algorithm. You know? Oh, yeah. You type in photography. Yeah. Yeah, that's what shows up. I mean, the Northrop's, to be fair, are like more educational, I'd say, but like Peter McKinnon's more like 
entertainment, right? More like a vlog or something. Nowadays, he's like Cinnamon. a coffee, guitar, pool, everything. He's Tattoos and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's huh. funny. I mean, like, I really was never, I watched videos from them, sure, but like, I was never really drawn to them. Um, I'm trying to think. Probably my biggest one is like Thomas Heaton, honestly. Like, it got to a point pretty badly where I'm like copying his, and this is only a couple of years ago, but I was, I was like copying his, um, like the way he packaged everything, like his prints and everything. I, I like copy the designs he'd make. Um, oh yeah, my website. I've always kind of like took inspiration from someone else's or like his or something. And uh, remember how you always wore that orange down jacket? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I bought one just because of that. Oh my gosh. Now I still have it and I don't really wear it much for like videos or anything, but like, you know, just, it is a nice jacket on its own, but yeah, like every time I just kind of put it on, um, like I did today, I'm just like, oh man, uh, I bought this just because he wore one. Yeah, this is terrible stuff. <laughs> I think, uh, I think Thomas Heaton, he was the first guy that I really got into landscape photography from and landscape mm-hmm. was kind of what propelled me into other things as well. Um, so yeah, he is kind of the algorithm thing for landscapes as well, but I, I think he probably deserves that spot. I mean, he's, does those in-depth videos i think beginners that's definitely a great person to watch he's also he's great because he's very like real i would say like he's very like set aside the ego and he's very like kind of brutally honest about things mm-hmm. and like he just seems like a very friendly guy like he can just tell he's not really fake or phony and, like he always just if he has a bad day out he's very like honest about it and he shows that most of the time yeah except for his latest van videos i don't know they've been making me a little bit mad <laughs> I just miss his mad. Not mad. bad, but you know, just like how dare on, he dude. make a, like, how dare he <laughs> come on, dude. How dare he make videos about his fan? Uh huh. I mean, he, but like he's, it's like a build up. And then he's gonna travel with it some more, you know. See, my fear is if I like the van idea too much, I'll end up like spending a bunch of money and customizing my car and turning it into like some <laughs> mobile camping thing or something. Well, see, like, I'm amazed he, like, I can, I can never, like, pull off, I don't have, like, the technical know-how to, like, put down wiring and stuff. Like, I did soldering and stuff in high school, too, but, like, I could never figure out how to do that for my own stuff and trust it, <laughs> you know, the build and design. So, I mean, like, but you could just start sleeping bag in your SUV and call it a day. That's a camper van. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's about as far as I'd go, probably. Yeah, I mean, me too, but, like, you know. If you go down that path, I know how easy it is to get involved in a hobby like this. It started from watching some YouTube videos, and now it's like a big part of my life. So you never know. I don't even know how. Like YouTube, like really was not a part of it for me. Like, for, like the desire to pick up the camera. Really, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I don't know. Like I, I wish. Yeah, I, I wish... feel like that's a generational difference. Maybe like. You think so? I've, I've kind of always watched YouTube for like. Obviously, I didn't watch photography when I was, like, eight, but I would watch, like, stupid Minecraft videos or something. And I kind of just grew up on it, and the algorithm, you know, taught me everything, I guess. (laughs) Thanks, algorithm. (laughs) We owe you a lot. Uh Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think now. It's, like, my timeline is all over the place on the episode, but, like, I remember, like, I think junior high, I had a uh, Nintendo DSi, a little video game console thing handheld because I, I was yeah because I, I was really big in the gaming at the time and you know growing up of course but 
that had cameras on it. I feel like I explained this in the very first episode, but like I had cameras on it and I just like took pictures of whatever. I would set up like my little like action figures and toys and I would just like set up like random things around the house. And like that's really where I feel like that's really where I got my start. I was like my first camera and it was like 1.3 megapixel, but like oh my. I yeah, it was terrible of uh, 10 years ago at least, but by now, but I mean that's kind of really really learned how to like compose things. But I spent all this time like meticulously arranging things and just seeing how like the you know the the ceiling lights in my living room would just play on this like figure in front of me. You know, yeah, I think that's really where I got my start. Without that, I never learned. Or going to like the zoo and having a disposable film camera. Mm-hmm. Just going that way. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely different for everyone. Um it, it's just kind of weird to think how something so small like a small part of your life can evolve evolve to something so big you know mm-hmm. oh yeah if you yeah if you asked me like a few years ago like would you be like would you have the camera you know every would it be like the thing you wake up for i guess and be like i'd probably laugh at you i'd be like no like why do i care but i'm like now it is you know it's like a big deal for me so pretty much is my life it's me all people know me as like the th- camera guy now and like a couple of years ago you know they didn't even know i cared about photography so oh do you ever like run into someone like you haven't talked to maybe in a while and they're like oh yeah you're in the camera stuff now and they're like really surprised about it. like what yeah i mean i ran into happen? i ran into a friend that i hadn't seen for like six months or so and he was like i swear dude are you like painting pictures on your lens or something because like, <laughs> thank you <laughs> I mean, yeah, sometimes some of the photos you post, I'm just like, man, it's, it's crazy. I'm not saying you paint them, of course, but I'm just like, man, this is oh, like wild You, you stuff. exposed me. Like, oh, shoot. Let's, let's keep it on the low, please. Can you imagine like wasting more time? Instead of just taking the shot, you just waste more time painting onto your like lens or filter. Uh, I don't know like, how that would like focus. I don't like. It would. <laughs> yeah. I imagine acrylic paint would probably stick to it and just uh, imagine wiping that off. No cloth is going to save you now. Oh god! Oh, I should do it with my broken lens over here, my bite angle. Yeah, I should paint on it, make an art piece out of it. Can you even attach that thing to your camera, or is it just? Like... You know what? It, it's kind. Of, it 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 can only like click upside down because I unscrewed it and everything. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'll I'll have to send you a picture or something. I don't know. It's pretty bad. <laughs> oh gosh! I don't know if I want to see it since I have the same lens. You know, <laughs> this could be you. It's a cautionary tale. Yeah, oh, it very well could be. Yeah, it's it's funny because those stories aren't really early days. It's like within the past year days. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's any it's any day for me. It's never it's never happened to me. But it, I've dropped a camera, but I've never broken anything. It will happen. Like it's it's bound to happen at some point. So. Oh yeah, it just means the world when you have like no money for it to replace it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> I, it, yeah, it, I have warranties on everything but my wildlife lens. So. I'm just praying it's not that shoot one. the one that needs it most. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh-huh. I mean, like I'm I always like tell people like this. You know, some people friends will ask me like, should you should I use hey Ryan should I use UV filters? And I'm like, eh, don't waste your time. They're kind of pointless. They soften the quality of each lens. But I mean, like my wildlife lens, even though I have that big lens hood on, I still have a UV filter on there. Same. Just yeah. because it's a big piece of glass, I don't want to like have it crack or anything. Yeah, I mean, when, drop, I'm, I guess. when I'm carrying my wildlife lens around, sometimes I have it from a strap and, you know, it gets into branches and stuff. And, you know, I mean, like the 
the branches can go inside your lens hood and you know maybe it could scratch your elements or something that's the worst you're like walking and like it just pokes right into the like the lens and the hood and everything mm-hmm. <sighs> no scratches no scratches yeah is there I any mean, other like, although yeah so go i was gonna say like that's another misconception i got i got a scratch on one of my early photography lenses i don't have it anymore but uh, i got so worked up about it but um I realize now that scratches don't affect your photos at all, unless it's some massive gouge, like scratches will not affect your picture quality. So that's what you can consider when you're a beginner. If you want to buy maybe a higher quality lens with a scratch on it used, I mean, you'll get just as good of photos and less price on the sale. So you know, that's something to look out for. I think it also, I, I could be wrong, but I think it's also about the aperture you use. Cause I know with like dust spots in your camera sensor and like inside your lens and everything, it's like if you point it up at a blank sky and you get like the widest aperture and the smallest, it, like each one kind of shows a different parts of like the dust and like spots, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, and I guess like it'd be the same for scratches. That, the scratches won't show up. I think it's just maybe you might get a little bit of extra lens flare. I think that might be the only negative, but like it's not yeah. like a, a picture ruining amount. Yeah, it's not a deal breaker, especially if it's like a surface scratch. I bet because I, mean, I, I remember one my. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're remember, like, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like the one time I dropped um, one of my lenses and camera face first, and it had a filter that cracked, and like it, I don't know how, but like some bits of the glass from the filter that just like shattered, um, got, like inside the camera lens. It's weird. Like there's little bits in it. I had to like shake them out of there, but I can still see one or two of them stuck in there. And they're kind of, they're not like on the edge, but they're near that. And like, so, but it doesn't show up in the images. I never see it. So it doesn't affect really the, the picture quality at all. Yeah. You better hope that doesn't go into your sensor somehow though. Oh no, it's on the front. It's a telephoto. Okay. I'm not worried about it. The chances of that somehow, I don't know how it would make its way. It's just like on the surface, like beneath the glass, the front glass. You know, like in front, in between that and the bulb, I guess, of it. But mm-hmm. that's another thing when you're a beginner, too. Cameras aren't invincible. So definitely be careful with them. <laughs> Treat that like it's your baby. I think I'm yes. more lazy about nowadays. I'm just like, eh, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a also, bit, it, you, have you ever like hung it from a tree branch and a lens strap before? <laughs> I, I used to do that for video. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't bring the tripod. I better use this tree branch that's like perfectly leveled. <laughs> and the strap's not gonna fail. <laughs> oh gosh. Is there anything else you had to add? I mean I don't think co- so. we covered a lot there. Yeah. It's kind of good to reminisce a little bit. Yeah. Hopefully that helps uh, other people, maybe. maybe. I'm using stories at the very least. I don't know. Yeah. Do you so want to do any- uh yeah i mean i don't know uh <laughs> spring migration is well under, uh well underway um so i'm getting tons of bird shots You're seeing new birds life birds um some like the species that i don't really like see i guess they don't really get in front of my lens my binoculars too often i'm seeing more of this year because i'm being more educated which um, i guess we could have talked about that but yeah just being educated about what you photograph is important too and that comes with, you know, age and years and experience, of course, too. Um, so yeah, doing lots of birding there. Um, just more of the same doing videos. Um, I just had the trunk art show um, here in my 
town, you know, and uh, yeah, it's more of the same. Um, be on the lookout for my photo book. I'm slowly but surely working on it, and hopefully it'll be out soon. So it'll be my first one. Cool. Self-published on Blurb, I think, is what I'm going with. Mm, nice. And yeah. it'll be for sale, and yeah. So how about you? I was just going to ask with your uh, spring migration, what's been like your favorite one so far that you've seen? Favorite bird? Like a new lifer. Oh, new lifer. Um, I have to check. Um, I, I know I had about 90 species so far this year. That's that's for uh, like year birds, not life birds. Um, so that means like the first sighting of a species that counts as a year bird for 2021. Um, so I'm at 90 birds right now, which is great, I think, for me. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I had a Lincoln sparrow. That was pretty cool. I thought it was a song sparrow, but um, I had Sean, shout out to Sean how he, um, we had him on before. He corrected me and he said it was actually a Lincoln sparrow, which is a more, even more awesome bird, honestly, than a song sparrow. So and I got some real close up shots of it too, which is great. So that, that's, that was a life bird for me. Surprise too. I didn't expect that one. Yeah, it's always cool when you, looks like a bird you thought you might already know, but then it's something even better. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, I know, I knew at the moment I took the shots, I'm like, this has like a different look to it, different, slightly different color. That was kind of just off putting, but I'm like, I don't know what else it would be. So I just said song sparrow on the video I recorded that day, but I'm like, I see the difference now, you know, it's that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Any updates for you? Announcements? Um, yeah, I've been, uh, I've shot an ad for Huntsville and video. Uh, so that's coming out soon. I still got to edit that, but I did, uh, pretty, I spent like five hours out in the field doing some like video production stuff. So that was pretty fun. Awesome. Um, yeah, that'll be out soon. Um, I'm, let's see in less than three weeks now I'm headed to California. So I'll be in, I'm going to see Muir woods, which is like, redwoods so that'll be awesome uh and then yosemite national park so i'm already kind of that is one trip i i do want to do some planning for because i want to kind of get the best locations best hiking trails everything um and then as well after that this summer um i've got some family who has a house up in a beautiful part of michigan uh, so i'm going to be living most of the summer up there living and working and then doing photography as much as i can as well uh, it's just beautiful up there. It's just tons of birds, amazing landscapes. So, uh, that'll be like a great summer thing. I think get up early every morning, uh, just do a bunch of photography. I think I'll probably, I, I really know a lot about that area. And I think, you know, being up there for seven, eight weeks will, <laughs> sorry, voice crack <laughs> being up there for seven and eight, seven to eight weeks will like really allow me to like kind of dive in depth and return to locations uh, i'm thinking about maybe doing a book about that uh later you know because i'm sure i'll get thousands of images up there so yeah, i'm it's, really excited it, so if it's anything like your most recent trips i think it's gonna be a slam dunk oh, thank you thank you seem you. to do well when you kind of travel outside of your your local area yeah i, 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 I think so yeah um i'm just kind of a little bit i'm not burnt out but you know i'm just after kind of two years of the like quarantine, you know, traveling again has been nice. Uh, so yeah, just kind of, I think this summer will definitely be the biggest summer for my photography. I've got a lot of other cool things coming that I can't talk about on here yet. Uh, 
but they're good though. I, I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just stay tuned. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Hopefully same for me. Yeah. And hopefully we can meet up soon too. Yeah, definitely. I'll be, I'll be in Ohio. I'm sure. Um, I mean, you're, you're a pass through it too. When you go to Michigan, oh, yeah. <laughs> unless you're flying, I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, still I, passing I think through. we're driving. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually have to since well I can't talk about that. Never mind. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> I was gonna tell you why I had to drive, but I can't talk about them here. So okay. Yeah. Tight lift over here. Uh-huh. The all outdoors. We're not talking about photography. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been yeah. good episode. So. Thank you guys for watching. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.